Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world of the five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessenman, coming to you from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Thursday, July 5th after the LA Galaxy's 2-2 draw with DC United. We're going to certainly talk about that disappointment. And, of course, we're going to get you ready for the Columbus crew coming in. Giassi's artist, John Kempen back to face their former team, so we'll uh, certainly get to talk about that. Go over a little uh, mid-season awards giving out. We'll see uh, which players are sort of sticking out to us, both good and bad, and also take your your questions, your comments on that as well. So uh, we're glad everybody could join us. And of course, hanging in there with me today, Miss Wendy Thomas. Wendy, how's it going? It's going well. How are you, Josh? I'm hanging in there. It's a it's a busy time of year. Galaxy facing off. Uh, let's see, they'll have their third game in eight days coming up on Saturday. So anytime there's uh, back-to-back games, midweek games, uh, weekend games, anything like that for the Galaxy after, especially after having the World Cup break, Wendy, it feels like all of a sudden there's like so much soccer, it's overload. Oh my gosh, I have been inundated with World Cup soccer for the past two weeks. I feel like coming back to club soccer is almost like a little bit of a jolt it's almost uh, abrupt because i was watching mls yesterday after having watched international soccer for the past two weeks you know at a pretty good clip i'd say about eight to ten hours a day don't know right. if that's normal right could be could be abnormal um and it's uh i mean it was nice to go back to the stadium last night and just the weather per usual perfection yes but 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 obviously the game was really frustrating and I, I feel like I've been in a soccer haze, really, to tell you the truth, for the past few weeks. So yeah, it's, it's uh, another game. It, it, it was weird where, with no World Cup games, like uh, you know today and and on Thursday as we're recording, or or yesterday Wednesday. It just it felt like there was a giant hole missing somewhere that I needed to be filled with soccer. So at least the Galaxy played, which was nice. Um, but of course, the guaranteed wins that I guaranteed over the last uh, week and a half uh, are not my fault. Um, I will tell you that, Wendy, uh, if you're playing the two worst teams in Major League Soccer, you should get six points out of that deal. I don't care who you are. Um, And the Galaxy are certainly better than both of the teams that they just drew with, the San Jose Earthquakes and D.C. United, uh, especially D.C. United, who is a last place team, maybe doing a little better than they had been doing, but certainly not a world beater and certainly not a team that should be able to come in face up against the LA Galaxy and get a 2-2 draw after being down 2 to nothing after 25 minutes. And yet it happened. <laughs> yeah, and let it ha- it absolutely happened, which is which it goes to show you one don't bet on major league soccer. And uh, and two, um, in Major League Soccer, anybody can beat anybody. Any result can stand. You had RSL beating Sporting Kansas City last night. Um, there's all sorts of strange upsets that happen. I think FC Dallas beat Atlanta, although that's not even much of an upset. Those are two heavyweights. Minnesota beat Toronto. Minnesota, but oh. Toronto is so horrible Toronto's right not, now. But I mean, but how is it possible that Toronto is bad this year after having been the best team in the league? A year ago. I'm going to tell you something that I reminded everybody back in 2011 and 2012 and 2013 and 2014 and 2015. Winning back-to-back championships is ridiculously hard. And these guys, I think they put so much into it over the previous two years, they're just done. 
That, that, that's it. There's and it's tough to be motivated. Think about that. You crest it. You you had the disappointment the year before, right? Seattle doesn't get the uh, doesn't get a shot on goal, but somehow lifts an MLS Cup. You have that disappointment that drives you to the best MLS season ever. Uh, you know, last year you win MLS Cup, you almost win Champions League. You do this. Where's where's their motivation? It's tough. And I know they're professional players, and they should be, but. It's really that 2 and 3% of extra effort that you give that makes all these differences. And Toronto's just, they're, they're just not the same. They're not the same. And, you know, that's, that, which, is, which sort of puts the Galaxy in a weird situation, which is, you know, the Galaxy are a better team than Toronto FC right now. Barely, kind of. Yes, it's true. Um, and, and that, well, that's it's weird. interesting, though. I mean, because the Galaxy, in, in a way, they are similarly situated, and yet they are not. The Galaxy, historically, has been such a successful club in MLS, and yet for the past few years, it has been in this torpor, in this malaise, in this muck, which is essentially that we cannot get it together. And I do get the sense that a lot of players are strongly motivated, especially those who you know, maybe are new to the league, like Allison Drini and Zlatan, they really want to succeed, and yet they just can't find traction. And I think everyone is, on the one hand, wondering, is it possible that there's a tweak that we could make, something that we could change now that would cause everything to click into place because you see the potential and get this team to the playoffs? Or on the alternative, is this a situation where literally the team will not move forward and become better unless certain structural changes are made to the team with respect to the coaching management and current occupation of designated player slots. Yeah, I mean, that is, it, it's sort of the question, and, and if I could break that down into layman's terms, Wendy, perhaps, uh, is this, is just, just to help. What just, is that? Wait, wait, wait. You don't like my use of the word torpor? It, that it, is an SAT word. You all should know what that means. Yeah, it is an SAT word, and I already took my SATs. I don't have to remember that anymore. But basically, <laughs> what you're saying, should you blow this team up, or is there something that you can add to make it, you know, a, a good team, a playoff team? Um, for sure, because that's what you need this year. You need a playoff team. You need a team that is going to finish fifth or fourth or sixth even in the Western Conference, get some playoff experience. You go into next year, you you cut the pieces that aren't working for you, and you make the team better by adding three or four pieces next year and not 15. These are stepping stones that have to be made. And 2009 was a weird year because Bruce went out and revamped the roster. The Galaxy sort of you know did okay, and then all of a sudden they're in you know MLS Cup final against Real Salt Lake and they didn't win it. In 2010, they had the best team in the league and didn't win it. So, I mean, there's steps to these things. You can see the progression a lot of times for teams and how they win and what steps you have to take. So the Galaxy made the step last year of completely sucking. Um, so that wi- that helped wipe the, cl- wipe the slate clean up to a certain part there, Wendy. Um, so you got 15 new players in. They're not all going to work out. We kind of knew that. Right. I mean, even in going into preseason, we were saying, hey, these look like they're good signings on paper. This looks like this might work, but they're going to have to get every single thing right in order for this team to be super successful. That's a good point. So let's 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 talk about two questions. The first question is, are there pieces and I'm talking about right now, are there pieces that the Galaxy could move out and other pieces that they could move in now before the transfer win- window closes that could cause the team to click together, wherein even with a possibly terrible coaching staff, awful management, and non-functioning DP, we could actually make it to the playoffs. Is that a possibility? And if so, 
what who are the pieces and who would come in for them. I, I will tell you this. I will tell you that you don't need to move anybody in order to make the playoffs right now. Oh, great. How? Yeah, it's it's simple. Um, basically, you just have to play to the standards that we've seen the defense play over the last five games, just not the last three games. They've been bad. They haven't been horrible, but there's no great team in the Western Conference. I still don't see the Galaxy at the bottom of the Western Conference. They're not. They're better than San Jose. Sure, they didn't beat San Jose in San Jose. That's a tough place to do it. I understand. They're better than some of these other teams. They are a six team right now. So you're saying if you did absolutely nothing, the Galaxy, with, with their points total they have now, would be on the cusp of making the playoffs. I am not. See, okay, so here's the thing. The, the team can score goals. This team yep. can score. We have Ola. We have Roman. We have Zlatan. We have people who can score goals, even with Lejet being injured, even with Emma being injured. We can always score goals. I just don't know whether with our current back line, we can make it to the playoffs. I, I almost feel like it might be impossible with the current, uh, the current back line. I just, the moment the Daniel stairs came on, I felt this sinking feeling in my stomach. Both Christian and I just turned to each other. We're like, "There's, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna even it up. You know, we, we're gonna give up a goal. We just knew it, and it happened. And it's a terrible pit in the, in in your stomach when you're sitting there going, "Yeah, this this defense does not look." good and then you just feel it coming and it happens and I, I I'm just trying to think is there something we could do to the back line what could we do the, to the back line to shore this defense up well I mean certainly you could go um, people have been questioning the formation they basically had almost every defender that they ever had on this team on the field <laughs> last night so that's not necessarily the answer and I like the formation I actually like the three-man five-man back line that's what I actually kind of liked it too I kind of dug the wing back I liked well, Cole is a midfielder. I'll tell you, he's pretty good as a midfielder. But it, the problem is that when you take our best defender off the defensive line, it exposes it. And I actually even didn't even mind Romney playing as a wingback, right. which I never thought I'd heard, hear him say. When I when I saw the roster, I was sitting here totally confabulated. What on earth is going on with with Dave Romney playing as a essentially a wingback? It was essentially a, a back three, three center backs, and then with wingbacks right. playing up and down, shuttling up and down. And I thought it was strange. I didn't hate it. I thought it was interesting, but it just exposed the back line so it, much. It, it didn't expose the back line. It exposed the midfield more than anything. I think that's what you saw. You saw, here's the problem with the, with the Galaxy. Dave Romney said it last night after the game because we talked to him we asked him what's the difference what, what's the problem with this team because it certainly seems like it's a defensive issue it is a defensive issue but it's also the way the galaxy play the galaxy are very direct and we see that we see them score goals and you're right wendy with the galaxy can score goals with the best of them you see them score two goals against dc united three goals against you know san jose siggy schmidt's argument always is that if you can play solid defense this team will figure out how to score goals I don't necessarily like that mindset, which is let's focus on the defense and just let the offense sort of do whatever it needs to do to get goals because it's going to score. I would rather just focus on the offense and let them score a lot more goals. So that way the defense doesn't have to defend as much because we can, we've seen what they've had. But what you're seeing here is a Galaxy team that can play very direct. And this is what Dave Romney said. We're really good at playing direct. We get the ball. We can get it up to Zlatan. We can get it out to Chris Pontius. We can play the long balls in. We know we can win the second balls. We're very dynamic that way. We're dangerous that way. Everything works for us that way. But 
once you get into a situation where you're up to two goals and you need to play a little bit more possession base, the Galaxy have no midfield right now to hold the ball and play a possession game. And as Siggy Schmidt pointed out after the game, he said, hey, with turnovers, most of the goals that happened because of bad clearances and bad turnovers, basically midfield and defense not combining together to get the ball up the field or not put it in dangerous situations. That's, <laughs> that, I think that's a perfect example of what the Galaxy are having a problem with right now. You, so you're correct. I think you're right about that part of it. But there is another part, which is that on the goal, on the second goal, I feel like the Galaxy defense literally just watched watched the goal happen. They, how, how, who, there was, who was, there was literally defenders just watching. Just who, like, who was playing defense? Who was marking on that play? You had Baggio Husidic chasing back Maddox, right? You had him almost foul Maddox in the box, which sort of stopped everybody. Who was right in front of him? Perry Kitchen, another midfielder. Perry Kitchen didn't step. The only person who gets a, a blame on the defense on that particular play is Michael Ciani, who has a history of not stepping to the ball, didn't do it against San Jose, and didn't do it against. So, I, again, you're, you, I, I get it. I see the frustration. And Dave Romney raised his hand on the first goal, which was a backdoor pass. That is not a Jorgen Shelvick. Everybody wants to blame Shelvick on that play. Dave Romney says, no, that was my guy. That was my mistake. It was a backdoor pass. Siggy Schmidt said it was Romney's mistake. He's like, yeah, it happened, and that's our guy switching off after a goal. We've seen that. That's a repeated pattern over and over again. So you sort of have this, you have all these repeated patterns. You can see what happens in this game. I mean, here's a, here's a Galaxy game, Wendy, that they put a little bit of a makeshift lineup in there because they had so many injuries. Bradford Jamison has to come off in the 30th minute because he picks up a hip strain. That throws everything into disarray after that because you you replace Bradford Jamison, a dynamic run maker, a dynamic passer, a guy who has a lot of speed, who drew so much attention in that midfield making runs that he personally opens Laton up for three or four really good passes in the beginning, and you take him out and replace him with Baggio Husidic, who is great in terms of he can fit in a lot of places and play a lot of roles, but he's not good at any one particular thing or not great at one particular thing, and he's certainly not a dynamic player like Bradford Jameson. Do you have, by the way, an update uh, on Bradford? Because I, I agree. I thought I thought Bradford Jameson really brings a lot to the team, and he's so much more creative and dynamic than a lot of other our other players. Do you have an update on it's, the severity of that strain? No, or no, because you're not. You're never going to find out like that right after the game because they never. They basically do pre, a real quick look at it. They say, okay, here's what the here's what we think it is, and we have to wait until the next day to do anything. So there's no updates on it. Just the hip strain. That's all we know. It's not a concussion. I know everybody was uh, certainly saying it was concussion. At one point, we didn't even know if it was an injury substitution. Um, we thought maybe it was a strict up uh, tactical change because whenever Bradford came off, he and Siggy were talking and they were pointing like runs that were made and stuff like that. And so we waited. Eventually, the official word came down. And it was a hip strain. So that is that is the reason that it came out now. It didn't look very severe because apparently he was playing with it for a little while because yeah. if you saw that, you saw them sort of scrambling to get a sub ready and then you saw... Well, it was weird because Baggio, he, I sit right behind the worms and he was warming up for a while and I was, so I was saying, first of all, why is Baggio just warming up by himself? Second of all, who is he going to go in for? This is one in the first half very early and two, there's nothing right now that calls for Baggio. Like there's no <laughs> yeah, there spot on right. the field where I was like, oh, we need Baggio. There was nothing there and so I couldn't figure out exactly. And then Bradford Jameson came off and obviously uh, first thing I was thinking was concussion. Right. But no, I'm, I was really glad to hear it wasn't a concussion. Yeah, and, and a lot of people were critical of Siggy Schmidt making that move. So here are your choices in that particular situation with the people who were available on the night. You could have had 
Joao Pedro play that position, which was an attacking midfield position. That's where Jamison was playing. Or you could have had Baggio Husidic play that position. So those were your two choices, all right? I Personally, I would have put Baggio in that position as well because... Wasn't Ola on the bench? Uh, he was, but they were not going to bring him into that situation. The reason he was on the bench and not starting was because he's coming back off of his... Uh, let's see, what did he have? He have a hamstring? Was it a hamstring? It's always a hamstring. No, a calf strain. It was a calf strain. He was coming back off his calf strain. They wanted to get him some minutes in the second half so that way he could start to work back into game shape. All right, but it was not a situation where you would be able to put him in there and have him play for you know the 60 minutes that were that were available. They could probably get 35 minutes. Plus, they were probably shading him to play in this Columbus game as well. So they were trying to limit his minutes coming in, and it was his first game back since uh, since that Open Cup injury that he picked up. So, yeah, you had him on there. You weren't going to put him in that position. And in fact, see Schmidt said afterwards that they didn't even know if Baggio Husidic could carry the game that far. Um, throughout it, and yeah, I had some doubts about that myself. And and you saw it in the. It, he looked, yeah, he looked totally gassed. I thought for sure that whenever they brought Stairs in at the end of the game, that they were going to pull somebody like Baggio because Oof. I was like, I go, I when they pulled Thomas Hilliard Arce, which Siggy did at the end of the game, um, which I don't know that it had any effect on. Uh, I I didn't see it. I think they should have kept him in. They should have kept Arce in. Yeah, I like Hilliard Arce. I think he should have stayed in. um, But at the same time, apparently he was gassed too. They thought he was gassed. (sighs) There were a lot of people who were tired, mostly because if you go back and look at the stats, Wendy, DC United had 60% of the freaking possession in that game. 60% to 40% for the LA Galaxy. Granted, the Galaxy tend to seed possession once they score goals. And being they were up most of that game, at the 25th minute, they were up two goals. And then 26th minute, they were up one goal. Um, for that game, they seed possession whenever that happens. So that's where you sort of saw that. So I, I liked Hilliard Arce's inclusion. I thought he played well. I thought he was good. I wouldn't have taken him out. But I don't think the Daniel Starris sub actually really hurt anything. Um, I would have looked for maybe a, another midfielder. But to be honest, who else did they have? They had, you know, Joao Pedro to come off the bench. You could put him in. But people have certainly accused him of being soft lately. Um, so you have all these things. The Galaxy were hurting for people is really what it comes <laughs> down to. I mean, Boateng was injured. Um, you know, you don't have either of those Santos brothers, and they weren't going to play. They're likely to play on Saturday, so you'll, you'll at least get some bodies back there. Um, Leggett is injured, and I saw Sebastian Leggett after the game, and he was still limping around. Um, so I don't expect him to be ready for oh, Saturday. Oh, boy, that makes me sad. When I saw him coming off in the game when he was injured, I, I almost thought he was going to cry. I thought he might be crying. Yeah, I mean, Is he- it doesn't look... I, I talked to... He was on the phone whenever I saw him, so I just I just sort of gave him how you feeling type of thing, and he was like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. But he was walking with a limp. It's like, okay, it's not... It's not there yet. I don't think he's... He's not walking with a cast on. He's not walking with crutches. It's none of that. He's walking on his own body weight, but there's still a little limp there. And that just means that he's probably not back in training. He's not playing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's maybe where you had to go. I think that was about it. So, I mean, the Galaxy... <laughs> this team drives me crazy. They go up two goals and then they take their foot off the gas. They don't know how to play with a lead. We argued, and somebody called me out on this, by the way, rightfully so. They said, hey, Josh, you said all the Galaxy need to do is start scoring goals first and they'll win games. And I'm like, yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. you wrong. Yeah, that, that should, that's how it works, by the way. That's, that's soccer in general. But I'm like, yeah, they, I don't think you can blame me for this one. But yes, you are correct. That is how it should work. And it's not working that way right now. Um, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic had a great goal. Chris Pontius. Uh, has had a I know what a strike from Pontius. They don't see that every day. He has had a goal or an assist in the last five games. He is quietly having a wonderful season for the Galaxy and 
Siggy Schmidt is asking him to play a wingback role where he's not the youngest guy in the whole barn there. And so he is working his butt off uh, between Romney, who said he was gassed during that game, um, and Pontius, who said, yeah, he was exhausted too. I mean, those two guys playing those wingback positions, there is not a more athletic position, I think, in soccer. Like, it's a midfield, but you have to get back on defense. It's not a midfielder that you can sort of lob back on defense. No, you're a defender too, so you better get... They want you to go forward, they want you to come back, you need to be involved in both. Um, I'm just wondering whether it's possible that the galaxy could do something in this because I I just don't know how if this defense can get us to the playoffs. I just have doubt. Maybe when the Dosanti come back and Jonathan Dosantis is there in the midfield and he can be that crux, that lever that connects the attacking third to the defensive third and also help us with possession. Maybe, maybe that could be enough. You know, if you don't task Ashley Cole with so many midfield responsibilities, maybe that's enough. I just, I have this sinking feeling that something has to be done to the defensive line. And actually, I like to bring in in Hilliard Arce. I think that he is actually preferable to stairs. Um, I just wonder if there's something we could do. Because at this time, Siani is very uh, unpersuasive. And in general, I think that our defensive line could use something. I, th- I think here, here's the here's the rumor, and certainly the rumor that's been floating around is that Jeff Cameron has been offered a contract by the LA Galaxy. Um, and turned it down. And turned it down. It was two years, $2 million to come back and play a center back. Now, the rumor mill and, and the a source I talked to said that Cameron doesn't want to come and play uh, center back. He wants to come and play midfield if he comes back and plays in Major League Soccer. So um, that may be a, a, a point of... Uh, of of non, they, they may not be able to come together on that one. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, putting politics aside with Jeff Cameron, uh, he is what they need at center back. And if you could come in and bring in, if you could release Siani, which is, which is feasible, you would get some cap relief for that release, but you'd still end up having to pay him the money, but you do it now where he could find another team in Europe. You'd probably be okay. Um, you're looking at prorated salaries on both sides. So a million dollars is really just 500,000, uh, for the second half of the season, you could bring in Jeff Cameron, who can also play right back if you need it. Um, so there's some flexibility. He's a really good piece that could put the galaxy in a much more solid defensive position. And everybody says, well, okay, that's great. You get rid of Siani, Wendy, but you're still stuck with Shelvick, who is the highest paid defender in major league soccer. Uh, I, yes, I, I and theory. I also don't think that Jeff Cameron is going to take any deal that the Galaxy can afford because we have three DP slots filled. I think Jeff Cameron can get a DP slot somewhere at a team in Major League Soccer and that he's not, why would he just choose to like forego uh, a whole lot of money to come to play for the LA Galaxy? Here is the thing that probably sticks in the way, and I imagine MLS is going to be a, fair, a, a, rather, a, a rather big stickler on this is that Cameron's going to have to come in through the allocation process. And I know, but we can trade. We can trade the allocation to a team that wants him. We, we wouldn't have to. We, didn't, we wouldn't have to do it. We could just hold our spot and pass on him, and he could go to the next team if he really wanted to. But I think the Galaxy would demand something for that, if not, because right now they said that basically they want him. So it puts Cameron in a tough position of either finding some place in Europe or coming back and playing for the Galaxy kind of in a pinch right now. That's almost uh, that's almost uh, uh, given. Here's my thing, though, and people were, were up on Shelvick and saying, "Okay, great, you got re- if you replace you know Cameron, uh, you know Siani with Cameron, you're still stuck with Jorgen Shelvick." And I'll tell you right now that if you pe- place Jorgen Shelvick, it's my belief that if you place him with a competent center back next to him, um, that that defense gets a lot more difficult to break down. 
Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, Shelvick, as far as I can tell, would be, which I was saying exactly last night, I was saying Shelvick would be okay if he was paid half as much as he is right now. I mean, he's 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 fine. He's okay. There's no way that he should be the highest paid defender in Major League Soccer. That makes no sense whatsoever. But if he was just being paid less, I would be like, okay, yeah, Shelvick, that's so, fine. So somebody explained to me, one, another reporter who covers Major League Soccer, and I, you know, we were talking about Shelvick being the highest paid player, um, or the highest paid defender in the league. And he goes, yeah, he goes, but he goes, wait, wait until next year and see how that goes. Because with the advent of that additional TAM money that they influx, uh, that there are a lot of teams who are focus- focusing more on those defensive positions and defensive needs. And this particular reporter thought it would be rather easy to see Shelvick not, to sort of Shelvick be just the first in the new paradigm of, you know, defensive players in Major League Soccer who are making, you know, almost a million dollars a year because everybody keeps arguing, hey, uh, you know, spend money on defense and you're going to win a championship in Major League Soccer. And so the Galaxy go out and have the highest paid defense in the league and and, and league. But our defense like is snap. bad. Yeah, I mean, horrible. you can pay people who are bad at their jobs a lot of money. That doesn't make them good at their jobs. It's, yeah. we, we paid people. We choose to pay people who are really bad. Siani's earning something like $600,000 a year. There's no way in heck that he is worth that amount of money, but that's just what we've elected to pay him. Yeah, and, and people in the chat room asking about the allocation order and when you'd have to use that. Have to use that by the end of the season. I believe it's like the last day of the season. Um, you have to use that allocation order. Otherwise, it gets reallocated, reordered uh, to the last place team, gets the first one, and it goes in reverse order again. So you have until the end of the season to use it galaxy need to use it um it's too valuable not to use it so they need to find somebody to use it on or trade it for a whole bunch of money for somebody else yeah Um, unfortunately we are in a situation where jeff cameron could come back to mls and i'm sure there's a number of teams that would like to sign him and that would trade us some cash to get our allocation slot. I just think it's a question of how much we get for him because as I said, the Galaxy just can't afford him. We really how he's not going to come back to play for a million dollars a year after having played in the EPL for um several million dollars a year and he's a US men's national team player which tends to increase value of players. I mean, so I, I it's hard for me to imagine how we could afford him. Jeff Cameron, I believe that one, if the Galaxy want Jeff Cameron, they're going to have to overpay for him. Um, right. because they're in that position. And, you know, for a two-year deal, that probably makes some sense if you overpay. Um, it means that you have to cut some other things and you have to readjust some things next season, which would probably be a good idea for the Galaxy to look at and, and, and to retake a look at. But, I mean, overall, in this game, in this particular DC United game, uh, the Galaxy just stopped playing after the 26th minute. You saw everything. Siggy Schmidt wasn't happy with the second half. The guys weren't happy. It was. It's frustrating. Um, you know, Perry Kitchen picks up a yellow card. Silvio, Silvio Petrescu, the, the referee, uh, was horrible. Um, horrible. So bad. He, so bad. And, and he was so mad, he was having Siggy Schmidt and Ben Olsen both yelling at him at the same time for, like, the same play. Um, that's how bad it was. There was an offside call that was against Chris Pontius. Um, that, uh, that, that, that play should have been reviewed by VAR, Wendy. Uh, it should have been taken a look at. However, uh, Petrescu had blown his whistle. Um, when they've been instructed not to blow your whistle until the play sort of goes over, if there's an offside, if there's looks like there's an eminent goal. Um, and unfortunately, he blew his whistle. Uh, now, off the record, and I'll tell everybody off the record, it seems like uh, the referees actually admitted to themselves, at least, um, that that was a mistake. 
um, that they shouldn't have blown the whistle, and therefore that play should have been reviewed, and if it would have been reviewed, Chris Pontius was on side, he would have scored the third goal. The Galaxy probably win that game um, whenever you whenever you look at it that way. Now, people are going to say, oh, well, the referee didn't lose the game. He didn't. Uh, he certainly caused heartache on both sides of the ball, though there were several fouls that were clear fouls that weren't called and several fouls that weren't fouls called and issued yellow cards for. Perry Kitchen, I think, got the first yellow card I've seen a Galaxy player get for asking for VAR, which, by the way, is not a yellow card offense unless it's an exaggerated motion, as in you're like, oh, come on. And all Perry Kitchen went and did, Wendy, was just ask for the VAR on the play. That was I don't it. know what I do not know what Petrescu was doing. He was so bad. I was so I mean beside myself. I was sitting there thinking, Mark Geiger, maybe he really is a World Cup ref because I would have preferred ten times over to have Mark Geiger there last night. And I hate Mark Geiger. Really? I think he's the best referee in Major League Soccer by yes, a but, by a mile. But, I think he does yeah, a great but job. But our referees are terrible. Eh. That's, that's overblown. I don't believe that, by the way. I've never okay. believed that. I think they're not great. I th- certainly think Petrescu had a horrible night, and I'm usually almost a fan of his. He almost does a good job. This wasn't that night. Uh, I thought Mark Geiger refereeing the England-Columbia game did a, uh, did a great job, actually, in that game. I know lots of people disagree with me. I don't really care. Um, I, I, I don't think that he did as bad a job, but with respect to the Columbia players pushing him and stuff like that, he should have, I think, had a firmer hand. Well, and, and then if he would have tossed, the Columbia's already claiming that, you know, that he was on their side, or that he was against know, them, and I'm like, know, but you could have been red carded about seven or eight times. So, yeah. So, anyway, when you look at all this, I mean, the referees and everything that came into this, this was a horrible, ugly match. Uh, DC United played way better than uh, than they sh- than the Galaxy should have allowed them to. Allowed them way too much possession. Perry Kitchen, by the way, had a yellow card uh, forgiven, which is what happens after you go a certain number of games without a yellow card. So, he was on yellow card watch, but then it got forgiven for this last game. So, he was two yellow cards away. So, he's now back on yellow card watch again. So, he will be available for Columbus and you won't have to, you don't have to replace him with anybody, which is good news for everybody sort of watching. And and Siani also had one forgiven, so he was two yellow cards away, and now he's three yellow cards away from the suspension, just in case you're keeping track of all that stuff. So now it sounds to me like you believe that this team could make the playoffs with current personnel yep. without making drastic changes. Yeah. And that this was bad luck? No, they didn't play well. It's not bad luck. They don't they didn't play well. I've seen them play better than this. Um I don't So how do we get them to play better? I don't Here's here's one thing. Siggy Schmidt needs to stop messing with the d- dang defense. That's the first thing he needs to do. Stop rotating people in and out, okay? He wants consistency, but yet he changes the defensive lineup, the defense's positioning, but the formation in the back constantly, and then he preaches and asks for consistency. So, stick with your evil. I don't care what it is, Siggy. Play four in the back, play three in the back, which is what they do, and technically speaking, the Galaxy play a 3-5-2 in attack and a 4-4-2 in defense, all right, and sometimes that's even a five, you know, three two or a five three one in defense. That's so, sort of what it looked like last night. Yeah, well, it's like a five. That's how like it sh- five two three one. Yeah, or that's five, how it sh- like that. that's how it should be, Wendy. You should in that position with the three backs. It, as as Christian Miles, who is the uh, radio voice of the Galaxy, told me, he goes, "Any three becomes a five. All right, so anytime you see the formation, any three becomes a five. Any five becomes a three. 
Okay, so if you have three in the back, that means there's actually five in the back. If you have five in the back, that actually means you have three in the back. It's just a matter of switching positions and how you move forward. It's an identity that the Galaxy have. And even Siggy Schmidt calls the 352 like sort of his his wonky 352 because it's not a balanced 352. All right, it's offset to one side, and that's why Cole comes in. That's why Pontius is technically a wing back, but that's an overload on that side, and they use that, and they, they victimized O'Neill Fisher on that constantly. So if I'm Siggy Schmidt, I have to stop messing with it. I like Hilliard Arce in there, but you can't put him in there. You can't do these things where you're playing people in different positions constantly, tinkering, trying to find it, and then blaming the defense all the dang time. They need some consistency. They are scared they don't know what they're doing sometimes. They're confused mentally about when to press, when to drop into zone. Uh, he said it, Siggy Schmidt said it in, in his press conference. He said that the coaching staff isn't doing a good enough job of, you know, clearly because the defense isn't isn't as good as he wants it to be. Um, it's not good at all. Yeah, isn't Dominic Kinnear a technically a defensive coach? They they both are very defensive-minded coaches. So, yes, you then would. And why is our defense such garbage? Again, if you keep, first of all, it's personnel. Yes, there's a personnel. Michael C. Gianni was was and is not a good signing for the LA Galaxy and <laughs> and that's a problem and so if you're going to if you're going to part ways with him then do it I mean, then get it done because you need to have that consistency back there. I want to see, you know, Romney, Siani, Shelvick back there. If those are the guys you're going to go with, then go with them and be consistent with it. Make Ashley Cole into that defensive midfielder. And by the way, he wasn't the defensive midfielder. He was actually the distributor. He was playing above kitchen in that. I know. He was he was a central midfielder. He was it wasn't even like he was a kitchen role. He was a Jonathan Dos Santos role. He he was. He was. And and that's that's fun. And if you look at his And he did so much better than I thought that any left back has any business doing. I was really of, actually impressed. Of course he did. Kurt Anolfo played him there last year. This is not new stuff. This is not this is not stuff we haven't seen before. It drives me crazy. Everybody thinks it's a brand new thing to see Ashley Cole in the midfield. No, it's not. It happened last year, too. Um, he's he's good. He's a good player. People panned Anolfo for saying this exact same thing that Siggy Schmidt said, and people said, yeah, you're right. Uh, Ashley Cole's a really good soccer player. You can play him almost anywhere you want to play him. He is that smart. He is that good. He can distribute. He can pass, Wendy. He can defend. He is such a wonder and a joy to watch on a regular basis. So why are you the one who tells me that this has to be his last year? Because you can't rely on a 38-year-old player to give you the production. But you can on a 37. A you 37 can't. is okay, 38 you, you is not. You shouldn't. You shouldn't, and they don't. They have players that will be able to replace him. That's the whole thing, is that if you're spending the amount of money that you're spending, which is a lot of money, and granted, he earned it, and he didn't make a ton of money over the last couple of years with the Galaxy. If one guy deserves to be overpaid, quote-unquote overpaid, it's Ashley Cole right now. Um... But you can't. He's, he's you can't. not overpaid. He, he, I mean, he earns less than Siani. Yeah, so he, he does earn. He less can't than possibly be overpaid. Well, he, he he technically speaking for for where they have him right now. You're that's why I said it. you're right. He he deserves the amount of money that he gets. But at the same time, going forward, another year, you can't rely that he's going to be able to stay healthy. So you can pay him that money again if you want. You can gamble on it because it's a gamble this year and it'll be a gamble next year. But if it goes sideways, if I it goes bad, it. if it goes sideways, if it goes bad, you need to have a backup and in place for that. And you have to understand that that may be it. Because if he gets injured right now, it might not be, you know, a small injury. It could be, you know, the career ending one because he's just he's older. I do it. And his backup is Dave Romney, who I also really like. <laughs> Somebody in the chat room says, uh, screw it. Make Cole the player coach. Hey, <laughs> 
Why, why can't we do that? Yep. Why can't Ashley Cole be a coach player? You could. You could do it. I don't know what it gets you. It gets you Ashley Cole. I think he's a great soccer mind. He doesn't have a lot of coaching experience, so you understand that he would be the, sort of that guy who you need to, to let grow and make mistakes in coaching. But is that where the Galaxy want to be right like now? Him. I know. He's I just like him. I just want him to stay. All right. I just like him. Galaxy go uh, 2-2 draw with DC United. Again, uh, a game they should have definitely won. The game they didn't want win. Uh, they now drop four points in the last two games, uh, playing the two worst teams in the league. Um, so that is, that's, that's not good, in case you're paying attention. Um, so now the Galaxy move on. This was the halfway point, 17 games in. So 2018 LA Galaxy, midway through the season, Wendy, 6-7-4, 22 points. Minus one goal differential, 27 goals for, 28 goals against, all right? 2017 LA Galaxy, 6, 7, and 4, that might sound familiar. 22 points, that sounds familiar. A zero goal differential, all right? So zero goal differential, 26 goals for, 26 goals against. And it was Kurt Anolfo that was the problem last year. Just saying. All right. No, I think, I think, I think there was more, more than just Kurt Anolfo last year. I think we would all. Yeah. And, and it's actually some of the problems from last year are still with the team this year. Yeah, it, well, it certainly is. I mean, if we go over some of the just the, the, the mid-season results, uh, I can give you, uh, let's see, let's do something fun. Uh, the uh, DP MVP minutes. So minutes played, right? Minutes played by the designated players slash MVPs. And I've listed Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, Roman Alessandrini, Ola Kamara, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic on this list that I keep track of, okay? So what this is is percentage of minutes played to the available minutes. All right. So the total available mm-hmm. minutes that they've been uh, available for. So um, right now you have Giovanni Dos Santos, who has played 21.3% of the total minutes the LA Galaxy have had this year. You have Jonathan Dos Santos, who has played 40.7% of the total available minutes this year. Roman Alessandrini has only played 65.2% of the total minutes available. So your three designated players have combined to play 42.4% of the available minutes so far in 2018. That's a problem. That's a big problem right there. And granted, there's international absences. I understand. But there's also a ton of injuries and a ton of others, we'll say, in that list that keep these guys from playing. So the injuries, the the absences, the international absences have made it so the Galaxy have not played with their three designated players more than 50% of the time. That's crazy. All right. So then you go and you add Ola Kamara in. Now, Ola Kamara brought in, he's played 77.8% of the total minutes. Zlatan Ibrahimovic coming in, 71.6% of his total available minutes. So you're getting some production out of those guys. But there are five guys. Siggy Schmidt, I think, signaled it out. And Scott French, uh, who writes for MLSsoccer.com and a bunch of other things, Wendy, pointed it out to me. He said there are five guys who have not played on the field together at the same time this year. Those five players are... Let's see if I can get them. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, Ola Kamara, Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, and, Ro- and it's going to be Roman Alessandrini, but it's not for some reason. So whenever you look at the five, I think Roman's played some in this, and it's Perry Kitchen who hasn't all played at the same time. So it ends up being like five or six players who have not played on the field at the same time at, at one point during the season. Well, that's not really surprising when you consider the fact that Giovanni Dos Santos barely plays soccer. I mean, he 
he's sort of like a part-time hobbyist dilettante soccer player, the way he plays for the LA Galaxy. I mean, he spends more time in the box than on the field. And so it makes sense that there's a lot of people who haven't played with him because, yeah, he really doesn't play that much. Well, you have uh, you have six games played for Giovanni Dos Santos, four games started. You have Jonathan Dos Santos, who's only played eight games, seven games started. Ramon Alessandrini, 13 games played, 13 games started. Ola Kamara, 14 games, 13 games started. Zlatan Ibrahimovic, 13 games played, 10 games started. So those are your those are your main guys right there, all right? And that's where you're getting this. So yeah, I mean, you're, the, even if it's the fact that Giovanni Dos Santos has been injured in a way on international duty, you can't have your highest paid player who's supposed to be your product. And let's pretend for a fact that he's super productive and that you need <gasps> him on the field. Okay, let's pretend <gasps> just for a second. That's, <gasps> let's pretend that the Galaxy aren't okay. better whenever he's not on the field. Sure. Uh, all right, we'll pretend all sure. those things. You had your highest paid designated player, your biggest difference maker, only playing 326 minutes so far in 2018 or 21.3% of the total available minutes. Ah, oh, fun. I, I, I know, first of all, Josh, I know you loved putting that together because you love charts and you love bars and you love graphs and you love stats. Yep. And I know there's a part of your little brain that is just so happy when it's just sort of going along. I'm collecting numbers. Uh, I got them all. You should see. I have Now I have my next chart. See, this is midway point, so I want to go over some different <laughs> stats that I've pulled together because uh, I spend a ton of time on this. And if you don't hear them and other people don't hear them, then what's the point, right? Uh, so let's talk. We appreciate, we appreciate it. Let's talk about DP and MVP goals per minute. It, money per game, money per goal, money. I, I broke it down to a chart. Of well, course, Zlatan. I, Zlatan, I know this, is is earning is earning his keep. Okay, so let's just play. Let's just say you know cost per minute played. Okay, so we take minutes oh, played. What a, compare? Wait, give me the numbers for Gio versus Zlatan. Okay, so Giovanni that, Dos Santos. That this is excellent. Go yep, ahead. Yep, uh, Giovanni Dos Santos. I'm all ears. Per minute right now is being paid, and this is how you do that. By the way, I want you to understand how this works. It's not just simple. It's let's it's, go inside, it's to- inside, yeah. inside baseball, inside nerddom. It's Here total. It's total minutes played divided by total salary, and so as the minutes play, the the cost per minute goes down. Right, because eventually you'll have it. And granted, Giovanni Dos Santos has a six million dollar salary, right? So you have to go six million divided by you know total minutes played, whatever it ends up being. So three thousand two hundred forty eight minutes right now, three thousand two hundred forty eight dollars per minute for Giovanni Dos Santos. Zlatan Ibrahimovic six hundred thirty six dollars per minute. Okay, so Zlatan is six times a better value. Yep, Ola Kamara three hundred twenty dollars per minute. Oh, uh, even better. Chris Pontius, $107 per minute. All right. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. Now we can go, we can say cost per goal. Okay. Cost per goal. Giovanni Dos Santos, $529,412 <laughs> per goal. <laughs> Zlatan Ibrahimovic, $57,353 per goal. Holy crap. Holy. Wow. And if you, wow. And I if hope you just want to. Well, well, Santos doesn't speak English because if anyone ever conveys these numbers to him, I don't know how you would not feel like a human trash can because holy moly, half a million dollars per goal as opposed to $50,000 per goal from Zlatan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini right now per goal is $254,000. Uh, Jonathan Dos Santos, not that that's a great metric for him because I don't expect him to score goals. No, but, he's not a goal scorer. Right, but it's $470,000 uh, per goal right now. If you just go What's per- Ola? What's Ola? Ola Kamara is $63,480 per goal right now. Interesting. So Zlatan would be the best goal producer on the team, which probably really shouldn't surprise us that much. But interesting, nonetheless, given that he is, you know, 36 years old and whatnot and not earning as much as, wow, Giovanni Desantis, a half 
a million dollars a goal. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Wow. It's, it's fun. I'll keep updating those, and eventually I'll put out another article that shows all these numbers and stuff like that. Wow. I will, I will tell you that the LA Galaxy right now are on the on the precipice, Wendy, on the precipice, something they could break or tie on Saturday of a monumental record. Uh, this oh, is big. What? I know you're not. What is it? This Some is big. Number. You're just you're, you're dying to, to say this. Go ahead. The LA Galaxy number total number of home points at home. Oh, they could okay. tie the 2017 total by getting Ooh. just one point in the game against Columbus. They have 13 points right now at home in 2018. In all of 2017, they had 14 points at home. So a win or a draw ties that and puts it right there. On, uh, on, on, on the home points record, which is just a sad, abysmal thing. By the way, the average uh, number of home points over the season. So if you take what they have right now, Wendy, which is 13, you just double it because we'll pretend that there's the same number of home games. I didn't count them. But you double it, and that puts them at 26 points at home. Um, that would be uh, slightly under the overall average of 30 points uh, per, per season at home. Um, yeah. yeah. The best stat, though, that you've, you, you just delivered to us um, is half a million dollars per goal for Gio versus $50,000 for Zlatan. That is... That's your favorite? That is... Because think about that. Just in terms of the discrepancy between what you're paying for a goal from one player versus another, that literally means that that Zlatan is 10 times better at scoring goals than Gio. Well, I mean, he has 10 goals on the season versus Giovanni <laughs> Dos Santos, who has three? Is it three? <laughs> Hold on, I have it here. I just, I just moved... No, two. Two right now. He has two goals. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's not, that's not great. It's not great at all. So, um, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's a spectacle in some one way or another. And, and I, 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 I don't know. So, I, so I wonder what Chris Klein thinks it, to so, himself. So, and the cost per goal is calculated a little, a little differently than like the cost per game. Cause cost per game, we just say overall, like overall salary divided by total number of games you know, times how many games you've played. Um, the cost per goal has to go with how much money you've been paid so far uh, and then divide it, because if you basically take it, divide it by each game, how much you make <clears> each <throat> game, you can figure out how much money you've been paid so far and then divide that by the total number of goals, which is why it goes. So every game you play, the cost per goal could go up or it could go down, depending on if you scored or because you jumped up, there's more money that technically you've been paid since the next time. So yeah, there's lots of fun stuff in all these charts. It's stupid. But, but Josh, more importantly, yeah. have you ever considered a career as an accountant? No, God, no. I'm so horrible at math. <laughs> it's not even funny. Like this stuff I can do because I sit there and just pound it out, like really, really try. I make up my own formulas, like total minutes available and total minutes played and blah, blah, blah. And I can do all that stuff and it's just easy math. But like if no, you get into it's, anything. It's uh, sweet. If you go through and look at the LA Galaxy over their entire history and where they sit right now, the LA Galaxy sit at 22 points after 17 games. If you look at all the teams after 17 games, they actually are above one very important team it still gives you a little bit of hope for the season, okay? The 2012 MLS Cup winning team uh, had 20 points through 17 games. God, that team was horrible at the beginning of the year. They were so bad, <laughs> all right? Now, this ties 2015 with 22 points. It ties 2017 with 22 points, 2018 with 22 points, and 2008, which was one of their historically horrible years, uh, they had 23 points. At, through 17 games. If you look at 2009, where they end up going to MLS Cup, they were had 24 points after 17 games. So you can see that there is still a path. And if you look at some of the other charts that I have that, that graph those, you can see there are teams, that the, there are LA Galaxy teams that, fought, that sit underneath this, Wendy, that still sit underneath the start that they've had in 2017 and 2018. But 
that shouldn't be indicative of, a, of the fact that they should be moving anywhere or, or that you should expect them to do stuff. Some of those teams had some pretty good teams that got figured it out in the second half, and that is what the hope should be, I think, for Galaxy fans right now is that they've figured out things in this first half, which they really haven't because they haven't had all their players together. Um, Scott French, who I, again, I was talking to last night, said it feels like this Galaxy team is still in preseason uh, just with the amount of players that they didn't have available that are coming back, that they're trying to fit in. I mean... The big question is that they need Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos. Quite honestly, they need, they need them on the field just in the terms of bodies that are hurt and that they don't have available. So both of those guys should be, if they're, if they're ready, which they should be ready, 45 total minutes, I think, between the two of them, or 48 minutes total between the two of them in the World Cup. Uh, as long as their body clock's adjusted and they're there, they should be ready to give the Galaxy some playing minutes. And how do you fit them into the, the formation that is now a 3-5-2 that was not there whenever they left Wendy? So, well, Jonathan is very easy. You put him right in central midfield, right where he belongs. He's, you know, he's a good player. He can, <clears throat> he absolutely is something we desperately need right now because I don't really think that Ashley Cole should be playing as a central midfielder. I'd like to move him back to the back line. So Jonathan DeSantis should be the central, he should be that pivotal central midfield role connecting the attack to the defense, holding possession, distributing the ball, circul- making thing- making sure the ball circulates, you know, and all, all those things that central midfielders do. Gio is sort of like not having a player on the field, so I'm not sure, like, having him there, what we get really, except that there's a body. Right. There, I mean, there is. That's, that's certainly part of it. Um, I think Gio has two options, and, and here are my options, and it, it, pres- it presents a difficult question at defense because... Quite honestly, I would put Jonathan Del Santos next to Perry Kitchen in, in a little bit of a defensive role, but allow JDS to go forward, allow Jonathan to go forward and and link with whoever's going to be in that 10. Because Bradford Jamison was playing in the 10 spot. That's what his job was. Um, I would put Gio in that 10 spot. I would put him underneath with uh. Ola Kamara and Zlatan Ibrahimovic up above him, which presents a problem back at defense, which is do you leave Ashley Cole in? He's the captain. He's one of your best defenders. Does that mean Dave Romney goes to the bench or do you sit Siani? You move Romney because you're going to have three in the back. Remember, there has to be three. So how do you how do you set that up and let Jonathan Dos Santos and Perry Kitchen sit in front of that back line to sort of make that a five-man back line um, and do that and then have your attacking options with Roman Alessandrini on one side, maybe Chris Pontius on the left until Emil Boateng can come back, but you could put him on the left or you have to move Gio out to a wing spot because you shouldn't move Ola Kamara from his central position. Um, I'm sure some people will say that Giovanni Dos Santos should go and play, you know, underneath Zlatan, but Zlatan likes to drop under. So are you going to put Gio up top? That doesn't make much sense to me. And you're robbing Ola Kamara of, of his best position. Him and Zlatan should be up top. So you're going to have to. Gio fits nowhere. He literally fits nowhere. There's no formation where it makes sense to put him anywhere. He's not going to do anything in whatever position you put him in. It just, he fits nowhere. It doesn't go anywhere. If, you know, the big knock with Giovanni Dos Santos is that you're not going to be able to count on him for defense and that's okay no 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 no. the big knock with Giovanni DeSantis is that he's really not a very good player for the LA Galaxy he doesn't if it was just that he didn't defend and he was a brilliant scorer I would be fine with it if it was just that he was a creative distributor that would be okay with me he doesn't do anything well, well there's nothing that he does well well you either play him or you trade him and I don't know where he's going to go and I don't know how you'd release him or, you know, I I said in the press box last night, I said if the Galaxy could get Liga MX to take Giovanni Dos Santos, which Gio will probably never play in Mexico. He'll probably never play. The pressure there is so much higher than it is in Major League Soccer, especially for him. 
um, that would be difficult for him to go down there and play. I, I'm just, I, I'm not trying to sit there and shoot holes in, in, in like wishes that everybody has, but think about it realistically. Giovanni Dos Santos is under no pressure in Los Angeles and doesn't perform. To do anything, literally. And so if he goes to Liga MX, Wendy, you're going to tell me with the pressure that is about, oh, a bazillion times higher there, especially for him, who he already isn't exactly the most loved person, uh, you know, playing for Mexico. Um, you put him in there, how do you do it? And I said it would even be worth it if the Galaxy had to pay $2 million worth of his salary if somebody from Liga MX would pick him up, pick up the other four, so that way he could afford two, and, and that you know that would be a good deal for the Galaxy as far as I'm concerned, to pay $2 million and basically offload Giovanni Dos Santos. But that's probably not going to happen. It's not going to happen this year, I don't feel like. Um, I wish it was. I wish there was some way to think that there would be some hype surrounding Giovanni Dos Santos, but his 13 minutes that he got in the World Cup didn't do anything. Um, you know, so that's just the reality of the situation. So the Galaxy, if they want to be successful this year in 2018, then Giovanni Dos Santos has to produce. So you have to put him in a position where you think he's going to succeed, but without stifling the other players. And right now, the best spot, which the Galaxy don't have an answer for, is that 10. So put him in that 10. It, it might not work. In fact, I don't think it will work, but that's the best spot for him because it allows Ola Kamara to be up top. It allows... Uh, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic to still be up top. It doesn't get in the way, and it allows Chio to still roam. You can have Pontius or Boateng on the left. You have Ramon on the right. Ramon's going to have to play some defense. That's tough. Good, you know, you're going to have to do it. And then you have Jonathan Dos Santos, who's a good defender, who can still get forward and get into the attack, be in front of your back line with Perry Kitchen, who, if you just tell Perry Kitchen his only job is to defend, is a good defensive midfielder. Don't make him go forward. It, to me, it plays to a lot of strengths. It's just a question of what you do with the back line and how that all fits in. Could the Galaxy, I'm not saying whether they would, I'm saying could the Galaxy literally just cut Geo? Just, just they, they'd, fire, they'd still just be fire on, him. They, they could, I think they could, um, but they would be on the hook for the $6 million uh, for the next two years. So, well, it's either, but it, I mean, either we cut him and, you know, find a replacement and then potentially make it to the playoffs and do, you know, potentially do something really good or literally the next year and a half is going to be this. It's going to be this conversation. And we're not going to do anything. We're not going to progress. We're not going to make the playoffs. And is it worth it to for the LA Galaxy literally to use a year and a half of its existence as a franchise to just to have this conversation ad infinitum while Giovanni DeSantos is literally doing nothing for the team? I mean, that that is, it, it's, you're right. What do you do? I mean, listen, in professional sports, teams have bad contracts all the time, and sometimes you can't get out of those contracts. There's no way to maneuver around them. So the Galaxy did this to themselves. You, We've heard that, you know, there were members of the Galaxy coaching staff who said, uh, whenever the Giovanni Dos came in, Giovanni Dos Santos, Kevin Baxter told us this, that said that Giovanni Dos Santos is not a winner and that they didn't want him. So, you know, this is, if this goes, if this continues to go wrong, if they're stuck with him for another year and a half, Wendy, it, they have nobody to blame but themselves. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, I'm not, sure, you don't get any salary cap relief from it. Uh, you'd still end up paying the, you know, and it's probably more than $12 million because I'm pretty sure he has a kicker and an escalator every year because that's what we've seen so far is that it probably increases by, you know, a half a million dollars every year. So he'll probably make 6.5 next year. Um, there is a very, there's a very rarely utilized tort in law called theft of services. <laughs> it's where an employee refuses to actually perform their job and does a very bad job, you know, essentially doesn't right. exert effort. And 
you know, it's a tort that an employer brings against an employee known as theft of services. I don't know. I don't think it's actionable in California because it's a common law and it's predominantly was in the 19th and 18th centuries that it was utilized. However, whenever I see Giovanni Dos Santos, and I know that he's being paid $5 million a year, and I think to myself, of all the people who paid their hard-earned cash to go to LA Galaxy Games, who work as baristas at Starbucks, who work as baggage handlers at LAX, who work as gardeners, who work as bookkeepers, and I think about the fact that someone is essentially idling and not doing his very best job for his employer. And people spend their time and hard-earned money to come see this team. It really angers me and it makes me wish that theft of services was an actionable tort in California. I, I get it. I Hey, I'm... I'm <laughs> Don't don't read this as me trying to defend Giovanni Dos Santos. I gave you all of his stats. I'm very well aware of of what he has and has not done for the Galaxy. I get it. I'm just saying that right now, if you're the Galaxy, how do you walk yourselves out of this? And eating a contract, I don't even know if you can do it. And you know, I always say this: AEG is one of the mo- one of the richest companies in the world. Uh, if they wanted to throw their full weight behind the LA Galaxy, they could outspend Toronto, they could outspend Atlanta, they could do anything that they wanted. Um, and in fact, I think they were listed in the top 15. Uh, the LA Galaxy were listed in the top 15 richest clubs in the world because of who their owner is, AEG. So you look at all those things, you could easily see that the Galaxy could buy their way out of this problem. Um I just don't know that the current leadership would be able to survive that buyout. Not that that's any concern of any of the fans. Um, I'm just saying that if you're looking at the people who have to make that decision, how do you have... It's so one of those, Chris Klein can't do this without getting fired, so it's not going to happen, if, right? If you were his boss and he came to you and said, hey, uh, you know, I know we haven't been playing real, real well. Here, we'll, we'll, I'll be Chris Klein. You can be, you can be uh, Dan Beckerman. Dan Beckerman? Okay, good. Okay. Uh, uh, hey, Dan, uh, listen, I got to talk to you about something. Um... You know, listen, this this geo experiment we were doing, we we thought we had it nailed, you know. I know Bruce was against it the whole time. Um, but you know, hey, we we thought that we thought we had it, but you know what, Dan, I think I think the best option now here is just to uh just to pay him, you know, twelve and a half million dollars and just let him go. We 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 have twelve and a half million dollars, right? Uh, Chris, I uh, for the moment, I was just dazzled by your white teeth and your sparkling tan. But are, was what you're saying is that Giovanni Dos Santos isn't worth $6 million a year? Why the heck are we paying him that much, Chris? Well, I mean, he, he, he we thought we were going to get a big bump from him. We, we thought that this was going to really, you know, bring the whole Latino community into things. And it didn't work. And now it's just simple. We just have to, I mean, sure, we've paid him already what, $11 million or something like that? So really, we've wasted almost $25 million of the Galaxy's money over this whole thing. But I mean, we have that money. It's not a big deal. So we want to dump him, then we want to go get somebody else that we already have. And this time, we promise it's going to be good. All right. I mean, I think our little theatrical enterprise has has demonstrated some of the difficulties that Chris Klein faces if he actually wants to uh, succeed with the team. And therefore, since we can assume that he's not going to uh, sabotage his own career, uh we might just be stuck for the next well, year and well, a half I mean, like here, this. Here's the, here's the other part of that. It's, it's the same thing that we talked about with Siggy Schmidt, Wendy, which is, has Siggy Schmidt you know, done anything better than Kurt Anolfo has done? No. May, may, well, I mean, yeah, results-wise in terms well, wait of total a points, I think no. the team this year is better than it was last year. Yeah, it I is. So that's, that's, but that's the eye test telling you that, right? Because it's certainly not results-based. 
I I don't know. I don't know. The this, team last year was wait, so wait. bad. So somebody told me, by the way, somebody was on Twitter and I don't remember who it was. And it was funny because I get where they're coming from, but I had to correct them because I was like, no, you're not right. They're like, you know, hey, the, t- the Galaxy may not be great this year, but they're so much more fun to watch than last year. Right. He goes, they're scoring so many more goals and they just they're they're just such a better team. And I said, OK, not really. I go because technically they've scored about the same amount of goals, one or two either way. Um, They conceded the same amount of goals, one or two either way. It's just that there are better players on this team, so your perceived value from it is that it's better. But ultimately, the results are exactly the same. The amount of goals scored is almost exactly the same. Everything is exactly the same as last year, but your eyes are telling you that this is a better team, which I agree with, but you haven't really seen anything that was different than last year because last year's team scored a lot of goals too. But the spectacle of Zlatan. See, that's fine. It is. You're right. It's a spectacle of Zlatan. Is giving everybody this feeling that the Galaxy are so much better. But the results and the stats and everything you look at tell you this team is almost exactly the same, having spent a lot more money. I don't know. Last year was probably the worst year as a Galaxy fan of my existence this year is definitely i mean there was there was no game last year that anyway in any way approximated the march 31st game against lafc that was one of the most spectacular games i've ever seen terrible but spectacular so i don't know i enjoy i have enjoyed myself a lot you're going to games as opposed to last year which was kind of torture well we've already said that basically one of the reasons last year was so horrible is the galaxy's home record was so horrible um the fact that their record isn't as horrible this year would already make you feel if you were a fan that goes to games that this game that this team is better um which which makes sense but it's they're just they're just not as lucky on the road this year and they're not as bad at home so again it's still it's sort of it's sort of the same thing. That's that's how it goes. All right, uh, let's go through some standings real quick. I want to get everybody updated, and then we still got to talk about Columbus uh, before that comes in as well. Uh, let's see the Eastern Conference standings right now. Have Atlanta United FC, thirty-seven points at the top. Just lost FC Dallas though. If you look at the points per game, Wendy, FC Dallas at two point oh six points per game is the best in the league right now. Um, so FC Dallas could be the best team in the league out of the Western Conference, which is something that uh, I think we saw, but and they've certainly done in the past, but we'll see if they can hold on to it this time because they have a tendency of, of slacking off towards the end. Uh, it goes Atlanta United, New York Red Bulls, New York City, and then Columbus Crew, the LA Galaxy's opponent on Saturday in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. Then Western Conference, FC Dallas, Sporting Kansas City, LAFC, Real Salt Lake, Portland Timbers, Vancouver Whitecaps, Houston Dynamo, and in eighth place and staying in eighth place and not moving anywhere except one place up in the Supporter Shield standings, which they think they sit 14th right now, is the LA Galaxy in eighth place in the Western Conference at 1.29 points per game and a minus one goal differential not horrible not great uh vancouver whitecaps have a minus nine by the way and are in sixth place um in terms of goal differential so i think the galaxy have some room to uh, to advance here wendy but they enter a very difficult portion of their schedule in fact this this one's going to be very tough uh columbus crew like we said fourth in the eastern conference coming into play on saturday then away to Gillette stadium in the new england revolution and new england is playing Aww. very well right now um, and it's a trip. It's a trip on on turf. Uh, it's all the way across the country, an East Coast trip. So that's not a good trip for them. Then the following week, they'll have to go back to the East Coast. 
for the Saturday game against the Philadelphia Union on July 21st. That's not easy. Then they come home and play a Thursday game, so not even a full week, a Thursday game against much-hated rivals, uh, Los Angeles Football Club, LAFC, at Bank of California Stadium, which will be broadcast on ESPN on July 26th. That's going to be a difficult game. And then they're home Sunday, July 29th, to Orlando City. Orlando City is the easiest out of those and a home game. But the next four games the Galaxy have are extremely difficult against good teams Oh, and outside of Columbus are all away. So they'll go three games away on the road. So that's not yeah. going to be... This This team is currently constituted as not making the playoffs. Well, it, it would very much mirror what happened last year at about the 17-game mark whenever the Galaxy went through a five- or six-game losing streak. So... If you think things are bad now, last year they hit about a five-game skid, and it turned out to be even worse. Let's see if the Galaxy can get points out of Columbus. That's sort of where this all comes out. Uh, The injury-wise right now, we've already talked about Rolf Felcher should be coming back. We were told to expect him in July. We'll see if that still happens. I haven't heard an update, but we're going to try to update everybody uh, about that as soon as we know whether or not he's back to training, which I don't believe he is yet, but he should be back to training very soon. Sebastian Legette already told you about his ankle, not likely for Saturday. Uh, Emmanuel Boateng, hamstring, not likely for Saturday. Bradford Jamison hip strain not likely for Saturday Jonathan Dos Santos Giovanni Dos Santos I'm expecting both of them to be back and be ready to play against Columbus don't know if they're starting but they should be at least in the very the very least Wendy they should be included on the team sheet Uh, but I would expect that Jonathan Dos Santos for sure starts right now that would be my uh, my guess Uh, we talked about Perry Kitchen he is suspended after his next yellow card so you still get Perry Kitchen for one more but keep an eye on that and see whether or not Perry wants to go to New England or not uh, that might be a good one, Wendy, to just you know kick somebody at the end of the game and get a yellow card and then not have to go to, to New England. I, I might do that. That's a good idea. <laughs> um, so now we get to the, uh, the Columbus crew. Uh, the LA Galaxy facing off against the Columbus crew on Saturday at 7.30 p.m. kickoff time. It is on Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes. Uh, the LA Galaxy 6, 7, and 4, 17 games played, 22 points. Uh, face off against Columbus 8, 5, and 6, 19 games played, 30 points. The thing I want to sort of throw in here, Wendy, is they have two games more play, more than the Galaxy, and they're only eight points ahead of them. They're really not as far ahead of the Galaxy as it seems just in points. Um, now that means that the Galaxy could actually have to win some games and if the Galaxy would have won some games they would have been uh, 26 points versus 30 instead of 22 points versus 30 so um, the Galaxy need to get a win against Columbus but that's going to be very difficult uh, Columbus coming off a 2-1 win over Real Salt Lake in the league uh, Jossie's artist had a penalty kick and then Sosa uh, had the game winner um, but Columbus also played a Tuesday night game against uh, Deportivo Saprissa, a Costa Rican team who came up to Columbus a weather shortened game uh, in that one as well on Tuesday so they did play a little bit of a game on Tuesday not saying it's the same as the Galaxy playing on Wednesday against an actual opponent but nonetheless it's there here's the here's the sort of crazy thing Wendy you have just Jossie's artist coming back. Everybody knows that. He was talking about coming back to L.A. He's looking forward to it. He currently has 11 goals on the season, one more than Zlatan Ibrahimovic, uh, and I think that sits him tied for second or third overall in the league, and and Joseph Martinez, I think, has 17 goals, so he's running away with everything right now. Um, If you look at it, there's two players that could play. We talked about Jossie's artist, but with Zach Steffen, the Columbus Crew goalkeeper who just had uh, surgery about two weeks ago on his knee, he might be back for this game, but it's probably not going to be back for this game. It looks like Greg Berhalter is going to rest him. Guess who the goalkeeper is? Oh, no. Really? John Kempen. John Kempen will probably be the goalkeeper for Columbus Crew. So you get Kempen and Zardis back to play against the LA Galaxy. If you don't think those two will have chips on their shoulders, then you have something else coming oh, to you for sure. If we are going to lose, I hope Jesse scores a hat trick on us. Yeah. I really do. Because yeah, if, 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 if the Galaxy have to lose, 
If we're going to be terrible, I want Jesse to have a great season. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's <laughs> you're right in, in that terms. Um, the Galaxy need to watch him. He's done well. He's taken some PKs this year, which has certainly helped that goal total. But he has been as much of a poacher as he's ever been. Been in the right place at the right time. He's scored some good goals. The Galaxy defense will have to be on their toes. I don't think it's this insurmountable thing, though. I don't think Columbus is this great team. It doesn't feel that way. They play very well. Greg Berhalter has them very organized. Um, but this isn't a game where you look there and say, hey, the Galaxy shouldn't be able to at least get a draw in this game. And a draw in this game is better than you know a draw against DC United or San Jose Earthquakes right now. Um, but this is a game ultimately at home. The Galaxy should win, even with Columbus being what I would think is the better team. Um, in fact, nobody's going to argue that. Columbus is the better team, but the Galaxy still should win this game because it's at home, Wendy. You should get yeah, that advantage. Yeah, you also said we should be D.C. United, though. And and San Jose. I'm yeah. I'm owning that. That's not my fault. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. Those aren't my fault. All right? That's if, not your fault. If, if, Nostradamus if, here. Yeah, here if, we go. The, if yeah. they lose to Columbus, that would be me because I'm certainly going out on a limb saying the Galaxy should beat them at home. I, I agree with that. There was no limb to go out on against D.C. United or San Jose, especially D.C. United, the worst team in the league on the road, in your own house, just the game before they head back and open their brand new stadium, whereas their mindset was not on that game, and somehow the Galaxy allowed them to boss possession 60-40 and come back from two goals down. That's ridiculous. And that's not on me. That's on the players. You can blame players and Siggy Schmidt. I'm not, I'm not taking that L, Josh, guys. Josh Gessman, the Oracle of Delphi, yes. he is prognosticating that the Galaxy should win this <laughs> Saturday. Pe- people in the uh, people in the chat room say, uh, say a win is not something that is in the Galaxy's vocabulary. Uh, that might that might be true. That absolutely might be true. So that's what you, that, that's what you have for this game, Wendy. I mean, it's a game. Again, I think the Galaxy should win. You have Giussi's artist. That's certainly going to be, you know, from a from a neutral perspective, from a from a reporter who's got to cover Giussi and knows how wonderful a guy he is. It's going to be oh, fun. He's to the see. nicest guy. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see him back in the stadium. He's going to get a round of applause. People will be excited to see him. Um, he's just he's he he would have never done what he's doing here in Los Angeles this year. Um, it just wouldn't have happened. I know people might want to argue that, but he wouldn't have scored 11 goals for the Galaxy, not with Zlatan Ibrahimovic there. I mean, only even Ola Kamara is having to adjust how he's doing and playing things. So it's... Maybe this was good for him. I think It was great for him. It was a great yeah. move. I think he's very happy. Well, I mean, I know, just because I know he's leaving his hometown, going across the country. He's sort of a homebody anyway, but, you know, maybe this was the very best thing for him. Yeah, so uh, the, the chat room's also saying that I should say that the Galaxy will definitely lose this game, so that way the opposite will happen. Um, but, oh, good, yeah. And I have been accused of jinxing the Galaxy now three or four times, and I, to everybody who thinks that I have the power to jinx the Galaxy, thank you for building up my ego enough to where I can affect the outcome of soccer games. Um, well, technically, Josh, I also have been accused of jinxing the Galaxy on three or four occasions because every time I wear a blue shirt, that... That whenever I wear the blue LA Galaxy shirt, the Galaxy lose, and so people right. now think that I caused the Galaxy to lose by wearing a blue shirt. Yeah, it's probably the blue kick curse. It, I it's, mean, that's exactly. I, what it is. I I don't believe in the blue kick curse. It's a thing. It's a real thing. If I have the ability to uh, to affect games just by picking one direction or the other, or my favorite thing is to tweet out the stat of what they do whenever they score first, and then they get scored on. Um, one of those things. I I certainly, if I have that, then the blue kick curse is definitely a thing, Wendy. All right, there we go. That does it for everybody. I think we're good. <laughs> We've had enough fun for one night. Uh, LA Galaxy kickoff against Columbus Crew on Saturday. Uh, they will then jet all the way across the country for New England after that. So it is three games on the road. 
uh, for the Galaxy through basically the month of July until they come back against Orlando at the very end of the month. I think July 29th is whenever they come back. So that's where we are. That's where we sit. Everybody's happy, I think, um, in terms of the show being done. Nobody's happy in terms of Galaxy fandom. The players aren't happy. They're frustrated. Siggy Schmidt wasn't happy. Uh, if I can throw in one more thing about uh, last night was it took a while for Siggy Schmidt to come into the press conference, and I've heard that uh, he was probably yelling at people. Uh, in fact, you could just take that to the uh, to the bank on that one because you would imagine <laughs> he wasn't very happy with that game. You imagine nobody was very happy with that game. So, um, you know, it doesn't surprise any anybody, anybody at all. All right, Wendy, uh, anything else you want to get to, or are we good? I'll see everyone on Saturday. All right, tell people where they can find you. You can find me at Corner of the Galaxy in American Soccer Now and on Twitter at Bards Blonde. All right. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, please head on over to Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, you can always follow us on at Galaxy Podcast. I'm glad we got that one way back in the day. At Galaxy Podcast is uh, where you can find all of our Twitter information. Facebook, Corner of the Galaxy. YouTube, Corner of the Galaxy. Uh, cornerofthegalaxy.com. All those fun things. All of our podcasts. Everything's right there for you. Galaxy big game on Saturday against Columbus before they head off on the road needing three points very, very badly if they want to keep those playoffs within sight. Just outside that line right now. All right. For Miss Wendy Thomas, I'm Josh Gessman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.